Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. A lot of hot topics. I say that often, but I really mean it this time. Yeah, it's a it's a A list. Yes, rundown. Indeed. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Beyonce. Yes. And Beachella. Yes. I don't like the way that sounds when I say it, but I know I, we've looks, talked about this so. Yeah. Looks good when you write it. So yeah. we'll for we'll call it Coachella with Beyonce from Beyonce's Coachella performance, but we're thinking Beachella. Uh, also going to get into Gwyneth Paltrow's engar- engagement party to Brad Falchuk. Or was Brian it more? Murphy. Or was it more? Yeah. We will answer. But first, we have to do it. We have to talk about Khloe Kardashian, Tristan Thompson, True Thompson, and the biggest scandal since I don't know when. Probably since Snapchat tapes? Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. That was a, almost two years ago. It was at the beginning of the Ringer's run. That's how I know. Wow. So, the Daily Mail publishes an article about Tristan Thompson in which he... Uh, is seen at um, a, a daytime rooftop party in New York two days before the Cavs play the next the last weekend of, of the NBA season. So this was like 10 days ago now. Rooftop daytime party in New York City. Right. Well, you have to say what he was photographed doing. Uh, that was a different video, in fact. No, I meant... Oh. Oh, kissing her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to say. He was kissing a woman who has been identified as, um, I believe, Lonnie Blair. Right. So, key evidence. Sorry. Days before (laughs) his child with Khloe Kardashian is due. And also in the middle of the, in the middle of the playoffs? Right Right before. Right before the NBA playoffs. Days before the playoffs, days before the birth of his child with Khloe Kardashian, Tristan Thompson is photographed with another woman. Yes. In broad daylight. In broad daylight. There's a lot. Of photos. A lot. Yes. There's ones of them entering and exiting his hotel. Yes. There are pictures of him in the club. Sure. There yes. are pictures. There's just a lot. There's like a lot of him. There's it is well documented. Very well documented, which is key. Keep that in mind. Yes. So that drops. And then like legitimately 10 minutes later, TMZ comes out with a different story that also has Tristan Thompson with two separate women back in October in a hookah bar in Washington, D.C., where he's seen making out with two women, motorboating one of them, and then that same woman also grabs his crotch area. Yes. And um, I happen to have thought that video seemed very staged. <laughs> um, so, some men in my life, notably my good friend David Jacoby, thinks I'm insane for that take. Okay. But I just felt like bar hookups, or hookah bar hookups, are like kind of sloppy because it's like, you know— it's, you're in a hookah bar. Yes. And I just thought everyone seemed like very calm and sort of like perfunctory. So, Julia, what you're isolating <laughs> here, and I can't listen, I I always, I stand with you. If you think I was staged, it was staged. But I think you've landed on a larger point, which is all of this is a bit much to be believed as naturally occurring evidence. It seems like there are some forces at work here. The timing of it all, both Honestly, getting caught with a woman days before your supposed girlfriend is giving birth to your child and not having been caught before, the timing there is a little suspicious. Yes. My reaction was like, how are you this dumb? Yeah. Which is possibly a valid line of inquiry that we sure. can revisit. But that timing is a little suspicious to me for it to be the first time. Then, of course, TMZ having the old video so soon after is a little suspicious Maybe something is going on here behind the scenes. Juliet, what do you think it could be? So the Daily Mail video, the article came out and we were were like, wow, they've got to be pissed. In addition to this being horrible and sad, like, wow, they've got to be pissed. This is 
unusual. It was much like when the elevator tape with Jay-Z and Beyonce came out. It was very right. unusual for a storyline like this to come out that didn't have, like, the imprimatur of the Kardashians on it. And this yes. really seemed to be outside of their control. And then as soon as I saw the TMZ story, I immediately uh, thought or believed that there was some kind of intervention from Team Kris Jenner here, or Team Kardashian. Yes. Because um, TMZ famously like has a relationship with the Kardashians and they put they you know they help promote the stories they want to tell before the show airs basically mm-hmm. kind of like seeding storylines mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that is pretty clear there's a good piece by um Jordan Sargent yes. and Spin which kind of lays out the history of TMZ's relationship yes. with the Kardashians and vice versa and most of the exclusives about the Kardashians do come from TMZ yes or, i'm remembering or e. fa- famously all of the, when Lamar yes. was not doing well, that was well covered by TMZ. And when Khloe Kardashian actually called off her divorce, those documents yes. were TMZ. This has been a they have a, a lot long of history. Kardashian exclusives, and it's also pretty rare for them to sit on a video for six months. Yes, they you know I could when they see Justin Bieber out and about, you know where he's having lunch. Yes. Like, when they have a, you know, an, an LAX video, that goes up right away. Like, they are in the content business much like we are. Right. And so it's weird for them to sit on a video for six months. So you and I kind of surmised that once the first story came out, Chris got involved. Or I, I, I use Chris as sort of a figurehead for, like, the Kardashian camp. Yes. Um, the Kardashian camp got involved to kind of rest the narrative back and started yeah. talking to the press to tell their side of the story and kind of paint it in a very specific light. And my understanding, by the way, based on how the gossip industry works, is mm-hmm. that it it usually is Chris or one of the family members yes. on the phone themselves. They're right. not doing this through the, the high-level stuff they're not doing through intermediaries. Right. Because why would you leave that to other people? Exactly. I think also, especially since Kim fired her assistant who gave that interview to Refinery29, yes. they like they trust— intermediaries even less. Ever since I went to Watch What Happens Live with Kim Kardashian on it in mm-hmm. L.A. like a year ago, yes, I, I, I think of her a little bit differently. She's like very well media trained, like very, very well. Yes. And so I think they all are. And, and they usually are talking directly to their their fans. We're going to get to that in a minute because Khloe Kardashian's been like taking it to the app yeah. to talk about being a, a new mom. And so I think that's almost like part of their nature is to like just is to do it themselves. Absolutely. Real, I don't, really bootstrapping, you know? I don't think that they would be as famous and rich as they are if they yes. were not. Media savvy is the entire nature of their business. Yeah. So I think they are pretty involved in it. You pretty much isolated instantly that Chris was involved in the TMZ and was kind of working behind the scenes. I have been toying a lot with an even more outlandish theory. Ooh. Well, <laughs> I've shared it with you, but I keep coming back to the original photographs. Sure. Of Tristan Thompson. Yes. Days before Chloe was to give birth. Days before the playoffs. And I don't really think anyone is under the illusion, now that we've seen other evidence, that Tristan Thompson has uh, been a one-woman man for no. the past nine months, a year. I mean, they've been together since yeah. for a long time, for like 18, for since sure. like August 2016. Sure. When notably... He was dating someone else who was pregnant. So I think it's safe to assume that there have probably been a couple other incidents. Yes. And I was just curious why this one is the one that got caught. It is kind of the peak of stupidity. Yeah. And the worst possible timing. Sure. 
So my conspiracy theory is that Chris sent the photographers. I think that's totally possible, too. And here's why. Number one, people call celebrities at this level call paparazzi all the time. That's well-known and orchestrated. And I think the reason that she would do this, and it's obviously like a pretty cruel thing, and we can talk about that aspect in a second, but my theory is just if you know this is going on, if you know that he's going to be a long-term problem, if you want to be able to control the story— And you also want to be able to control when the story is released and how it's going to play out on your show. And honestly, the most craven, sad part of this, if you want to control how certain people in your family are going to handle things going forward, you need it to drop a certain way. And so I'm just wondering, did she send them to get it out of the way? I also will just say, Tristan Thompson's like on his way out of the league. Like he kind of peaked... When Chloe, he was at yeah. his peak when Chloe started dating him, and he's had a bad season, and uh, like he'll probably he he won't get another max contract. Like he will, and LeBron will probably win him won't be on the same team. Like he will be irrelevant in the NBA world soon, which means that they need to maximize his visibility right now. Yeah, and also get and also just like kind of get rid yeah. of him. What's I mean, the point? It's it's a great question. This is definitely conspiracy corner, yeah. and it's it's ungenerous, but I, it would not surprise me if that were the case. There, because there were so many pictures of him in yes. multiple locations, yes. it just seems like he was easily followed. And so that, yes, that is suspicious. I don't know. It just, I, I don't, there is no better explanation as to why he got caught at this moment. Is he really that dumb? I mean, he, it doesn't seem like the savviest press person that, that I'm aware of, but still, that takes a certain level of, it's very, very brazen. I will say, the rumor in the in the yeah. NBA world, yeah. and I think pretty much true, is that pretty much every NBA player cheats, and like when they all they all go to New York and they all go out a lot. But like you don't see pictures of the Knicks out very often. You see many. You there's so much more TMZ coverage mm-hmm. of teams in LA going to catch mm-hmm. and going to mm-hmm. like Delilah and you know into like all the clubs they go to. There's so much more of that. Actually, mm-hmm. very rarely are there club pictures of players in New York when they're playing the Knicks or the Nets. Like, it's, you know, this is my bread and butter. I can think of very few examples. Oh, interesting. Like, I don't even—I don't actually know what the hotspots are for NBA players in New York, partially because it's just not part of, it's not part of the culture in the same way. Like, the kind of, like, NBA-adjacent culture. Right. And so that, to me, is also just really suspicious. Like, yeah. Um, once in a while there'll be like a page six item about like so-and-so was seen at this lounge after the game or whatever but there's almost never pictures but like there's so many pictures outside of Warwick of or videos of like Blake Griffin leaving or DeAndre Jordan leaving like yeah that's true and so some of that is just kind of that is very the LA paparazzi culture is very much you want to be photographed leaving outside of those places where in New York there's a ethos of Trying to keep it private, yeah, a little, yeah, absolutely. But with, but, but very specifically, the NBA players, yeah. like they get they get um, followed here. And I think if TMZ had the opportunity to do it in New York, they would. Yeah. So, like, I can remember like one time a summer or two ago, like Blake Griffin was walking in front of like the Bowery Hotel, or and there mm-hmm. was pictures of that. Yeah. But like, it's just really not common for NBA players to be f- caught like that in New York or in Washington D.C. for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. So. I feel like we've spent a lot of time on Conspiracy Corner. We've spent a lot of time on Chris, um, who is essentially just like a 40s studio mogul at this point. But the the Chloe aspect of it is pretty sad. So sad. And I, I just like, 
I'm like really like a sentimentalist when it comes to like marriage and and family and like mm-hmm. I and like <laughs> it just makes me so sad that this is how she's beginning her her identity as a mom and like this is the beginning of her daughter's life like it just it sucks. Yeah, it is sad. I think you know, I, I don't mean to be cynical. I think she will be fine. I yes, always think about—we talked a lot about this with Kylie, and I just think that Card- the Kardashians are in such a um, place of—they have so many resources and also honestly have a lot of support and family, so they'll be fine. But it's gross. It's a bummer. We have some research from the Jam Session historian, Kate Hallowell. Thank you, Kate. Um, thank you to Kate. True Thompson was born on April 12th. Yes. And Kim— was definitely there. It seems like all the sisters were there. Kim, Courtney, and Chris were there. I don't think Kylie and Kendall were. They might have been, though. And then Tristan was at the hospital. Yes. And then um, TMZ reported he was in the delivery room. Can you imagine? No. I can't. I I don't even really know. I guess at some point that—I I mean, I have never given birth, so I, I don't have the real knowledge of this, but that amount of physical exertion with this dickhead— I know. —standing right next to you— it sucks. Also, like, it just must be, I don't know if she's thinking about this, but, like, what a conflict. Like, you want your daughter to, you know, have access to her father, but you also, like, don't want to be near him. So yeah. awful. Yeah. It's awful. I mean, it happens. We don't know the nature of their relationship, honestly. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's whatever Chloe and Tristan have decided for themselves, go with God. But uh, I, if I were in her position, I would, uh, it would not add to my birthing experience. How about that? <laughs> That's that's what I'll say. Nor mine. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, this I thought was interesting. Chloe finally posts on Instagram and she, revealing the name True. Yes. Our little girl, True Thompson, has completely stolen our hearts and we are overwhelmed with love. Such a blessing to welcome this angel into the family. Mommy and daddy love you, True. Which is notable, obviously, for the inclusion of daddy. And also no one has acknowledged any of the... Tristan information. It's been all positivity. There's n- outwardly. I just assume they're saving it all for the show. And I don't think they will address it until the episode comes up. I think that's true. I think they're also being outwardly positive. Which mm-hmm. I don't they know. Sh- Let's, well, what else should they do? They, they have a new they have kid. A, they have a new kid. That's exciting. I, and I kind of, and he's a part of the experience. So as a child of divorce, I shall not judge. But <laughs> I, I do think they're kind of doing positivity outwardly, and then leaking all of the negative stuff to TMZ. Yes. That's my take on the situation. Yes. And there's been quite a quite a bit of, of leaking. Like, yeah. page six and the days after, that's when we really knew that it seemed like Chris, someone mm-hmm. like Chris had talked to them, because mm-hmm. page six was like, sources inside the family are sad to say they're not surprised. Like, that was a quote from, like, a paraphrase from quote from page six right. a couple of days after. And then... E, which is their network that yes. airs their show, yes. has quite a bit of information. They reported uh, today, Wednesday, E says the family is furious at Tristan. Quote, Chloe has loved having Chris by her side throughout everything. She really helped ease the process and transition. The momager has also been a buffer between Chloe, Tristan, and the NBA player's family. I think that's interesting. It was very stressful once the baby was born. Chloe was very overwhelmed. Chris really helped with the entire process and helped her remain calm and ease her mind. The source adds having Kim and Courtney visit also lifted her spirits. Everyone has been very happy and supportive. Privately, however, Chloe's family is livid. The Kardashian family has been very cold towards Tristan since the scandal broke. Duh. They aren't pleased with him at all and are heartbroken for Chloe. Everyone has remained civil for the sake of the baby. They are furious. They feel Tristan was deceitful and are ashamed that he was lying to all of them. So, you know, a source, okay. Someone who works on the show, perhaps. One of the, I mean, you know, it's like so, it's, this is like. And a, the email from Chris. Yeah. This, yeah. Is so, this is so silly to pretend that they don't have. That would be like, sources say Bill Simmons 
is not enjoying the NBA playoffs because the Celtics aren't doing better. Like, if I, said, <laughs> if I said that or something. Like, a source close to Bill Simmons. Like, okay, yeah, yeah the email I just got from Bill Simmons, sure. Yeah. Like, it's just so ridiculous. But this is how they make their money. This is literally, yeah. this is the Kardashian empire in a nutshell. This is how it works. They sell one image and they fuel interest and gossip and... And here we are talking about and it. And ratings and another. And that's what they're... That is what they are very skilled at. You may not like it. You may not admire it. You may just feel really bad for everyone involved. Uh, but this is... That's what they do. It's elite media management. It's that true. That is how they are as famous as they are. They are very, very good at it. It's true. And they had kind of been out of the news for a little while. Now, boy, are they back. Yeah, that's that's kind of the saddest part. You wonder if it was this like was an play. attempt to... Extend, which I, I mean, I, I'm sure it was in some way. Yeah. Where are you putting true top half or bottom half of the baby r- name rankings of this clan? I'm going to go with top half. Okay. Better or worse than Chicago? It's a family name, by the way, which kind of makes it better. True is? Yeah. I like Chicago. True is just so, I don't want to say easy that because I don't name whatever your kid whatever you want, but I, there's so many ironies with it. Yeah. I'm not having a hard time wrapping my head around it, I guess. Yeah, I think it's better than Rain. I think it's better than Saint. I think it's better than Dream. Yeah, there's something linguistic about it that is just kind of true Thompson. I like the alliteration, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. And it's also like Trista, it's similar to her father. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know what I'm supposed to understand from it in like a symbolic or... Well, textual level, and I'm not really going to think too much about it. This is what Chris wrote on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to welcome my precious little granddaughter, True, three exclamation points, all caps. Fun fact, sentence case. Mm -hmm. My grandfather's name on my dad's side was True Otis Houghton. My real dad's name was Robert True Houghton. So I'm excited Chloe named her daughter True. The proud grandma. That's, That's sorry. That's what she wrote. And then hashtag lovebug, hashtag family tradition, hashtag family at True. And that it leads us to letting you know that True Thompson already has an Instagram account, and she has 187,000 followers. Getting at True is pretty impressive. Do you think that they checked the Probably. accounts ahead yes. of time? You know, I I um, worked on securing all URLs and handles across social media for the Ringer I when, when we that. launched. Yeah, it was a lot of work. And I would be willing to bet someone had this. It was like a squatter. Someone was probably just like squatting on mm-hmm. it. Maybe not though. Because, like, I know the infatuation link got, like, at pizza, at pasta, like, fairly easily. But you can work with the brands to get the um, handles that you need if there's anything in the way. They're, they have rules. Like, they won't just give you anything. But, like, there's, like, a certain amount of logins that are necessary within a time frame. And if those haven't been met, then you can then you can kick them off. All right. Yeah. Good for them. Sure. They are they are quite savvy. Yeah. You got to give them that. At True is nice to have. I wish I had at Juliet at all, on all platforms. But that dream is dead. We got to talk about Beyonce, and we got to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow's engagement party. But first, let me tell you about Fordo Coffee. There are times when we all really need an energy boost. Luckily, I learned about Fordo Organic Coffee Shots, and it has changed everything. Fordo comes in two-ounce shots that look like tiny coffee cups. Just pop off the top and drink for a super quick, clean energy boost. And because they are made with only organic, natural Colombian coffee, they don't give you any jitters, and there's no crash after. There are two kinds. There's 100 milligram and 200 milligram energy flavors, which are equal to drinking one and two large cups of coffee, respectively. There's something for all energy levels. 
Sometimes when I'm sleepy before a podcast and I need to get going, I have a Fordo. And you want to know what? It works out great. I find that energy and I power through. Fordo comes in six flavors. My favorite is the vanilla latte, in case you're wondering. So here's the best part. You can buy Fordo organic coffee shots right now at a huge savings. 30% off with the promo code JAM, J-A-M, at Fordo, F-O-R-T-O, coffee.com. That's FordoCoffee.com. You heard me right. 30% off only for our listeners. Fordo is normally $15 for six organic coffee shots. But with our code, J-A-M, JAM, it is only $10 for six coffee shots and free shipping. Take advantage of this deal now and you'll thank me later. Go to FordoCoffee.com, F-O-R-T-O, coffee.com, and use the promo code JAM. Juliet. Hey. Did you know that summer's coming up? Oh, did I ever. Do you know what I like about summer? What? I like I get to go on vacation. Hell yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what my summer vacation is going to be this year. What's in the mix? Well, I'm thinking beach. Okay. But there are a couple different options. Too many options, one might say. And then you got to figure out the right hotel or the house. Is it near the beach? Sure. You know, are Domestic you enough, or international even? Are you getting enough sunlight? All of these things. It's, it's actually quite overwhelming. A lot of decisions. And so that's why I'm excited to tell you about Tripping.com. Please do. Don't visit a ton of different sites like I am trying to go to the beach. On Tripping.com, one search lets you compare every home from the world's top vacation rental sites in one place to find the best deal on your perfect vacation rental. Vacation rentals offer more privacy, more space for everyone under one roof, and more choices with fully stocked kitchens, extra bedrooms, and even hot tubs all the comforts of home, and then some. Best of all, at Tripping.com, you can join the millions of travelers who find more savings with rates up to 80% less than traditional hotel rooms. This year, save time and money when you book the vacation home of your dreams with Tripping.com slash jam. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash jam for your perfect vacation rental. Tripping.com slash jam. All right, Amanda, it's time to talk about Beyonce. Love it. She stole the weekend. She stole the weekend. The thing that's incredible is she's going to steal steal next weekend. We are recording this on a Wednesday. Beyonce has another set at Coachella this coming weekend. And people are speculating it might be different. I hope which it is. is. That would be insane. I, I mean, I kind of hope it is now because, because now that the— pr- prospect of a second set has been floated. I feel like people will, bad people will find a way to be disappointed and think she phoned it in if she does the same set again. And they would be wrong because this set was truly phenomenal. It was historic in the actual sense of the word. It totally was. Like, how could any Coachella headliner ever compare? So if you haven't seen it, I support all laws, but perhaps just Google Beyonce Coachella on the internet for a while and you might be able to find something. Uh, It was almost two hours headlining set with over, you have to say, like over 100 dancers. Well over 100. And she used a full marching band. That was awesome. Which is incredible. I it loved was, her outfit. It was a really, really, yeah, Belmont. Yeah. That's really kind of the only thing we know is that the costume was Balmain, Balmain, yes. Balmain, whatever. Say it however you want. Balmain? I think so, but yeah. I'm not going to be the French person. Um, she looked awesome. She looked fantastic. It was a really— Custom denim hot pants. Yeah. In addition to being just kind of a two-hour, like, well-choreographed— yeah, Athletic performance. It was really like a very thoughtful, like dense 
Yeah, it was rich and it was deep and it had a lot of meaning. Yeah, it had a it had a lot of references to black history and art. It used the kind of black college marching band as the backing band throughout of it, which also means that she was being trailed by a marching band, which was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it was. There's a great article by Craig Jenkins in on Vulture, New York Magazine, that kind of lays out a lot of the allusions Mm -hmm. and references that she kind of winds effortlessly throughout the performance for two hours. I know. And this is in addition to dancing like Beyonce dances and singing like Beyonce sing is singing while dancing. Her voice sounded actually amazing. Like maybe the best I think has ever sounded live. It's just really, it's a feat of physicality, a feat of creativity, a feat of inspiration. Totally. She is truly one of a kind. I also thought it was really cool to think about how many people had to work on the performance for it to happen. So there's like, you know, the over 100 people you see on stage. Like how many costume people and how many makeup artists and all of the people who worked on the set. Like Beyonce is like, not to be too cheesy, but she's like creating jobs. Like that's awesome and really cool. Totally. It it reminded me of a musical kind of just because it was so theatric. It It had an overture. It had like various acts to it and costume changes. And it just was such, um, in some, it was so revolutionary for Coachella, but in some ways it was so classical, and that's a lot of its power to, yes. to me, is, which a lot of people have talked about, is like how it weaves so much tradition and all these illusions and meeting with like really current music and um, on like one of the biggest stages. It was really cool. It's yeah. almost like honestly too cool for Coachella. Well, no, you've isolated like five really important points there. One <laughs> being that this is just kind of, people really phone it in. At festivals, and I think we've all kind of gotten used to this idea as a fe- of the festival culture as you go and do some drugs and, like, stone out in the desert. Yeah. And it's a vibe more than a performance. Yeah. And this was a performance, and this was a statement, and she took a stage and made the most of it. And I think— She kind of embarrassed everyone else. They're all just sort of, like, by being better. She's just like, good luck. Yes, which is— what Dope. Beyonce does all the time, and Dope. I want to come back to that. But I did feel like um, Beyonce's mother, Tina, yes. posted on Instagram something that I think is worth reading, which is just talking about uh, what is normally expected of Coachella and what Beyonce wanted to do with it. So here is from Miss Tina Lawson herself. I told Beyonce that I was afraid that the predominantly white audience at Coachella would be confused by all of the co- black culture and black college culture because it was something that they might not get. Her brave response to me made me feel a bit selfish and ashamed. She said, I have worked very hard to get to the point where I have a true voice, and at this point in my life and career, I have a responsibility to do what's best for the world and not what is most popular. She said that her hope is that after the show, young people would research this culture and see how cool it is, and young people, black and white, would listen to Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is one of the songs that she sang in the performance, and see how amazing the words are for us all and bridge the gap. She also hopes that it will encourage young kids to enroll in our amazing historically black colleges and universities. I stand corrected from her mother. Incredible. Which is great. And is also, I think, kind of the best encapsulation of what most people try to do at Coachella versus what Beyonce tries to do. I can't think of um, a moment in pop music this meaningful since Lemonade came out. That's true. I can't. I was thinking about it, and I don't mean to—I think it's unavoidable. I don't mean to be too political, but— I think that I can't think of a statement like this that was both um, literally a spectacle and so meaningful uh, since Trump's been in, pres- in office. And I think that makes it even more meaningful that it was such a powerful harnessing of black culture on such a huge scale. And I think that is like, 
I just think we haven't had a moment like this in a long time, and it was exciting and refreshing and sort of felt like um, a really powerful antidote in line with some of the other kind of more typical protests that have been happening in the last 18 months. I completely agree. And it was also just stunning. And so we use the word perfect a lot for things that are not perfect, but Beyonce is a perfectionist. And when you were talking about the number of people that she employed and the amount of Comparing it to a musical, I think, was a really spot-on comparison, just in the amount of time and stage direction and rehearsal that goes into this. And one thing that I have been thinking a lot about and I admire so much about Beyonce, number one, it's it's amazing that these things say a secret. That's yeah. also true about Lemonade. The amount of time and effort that goes into this and no one spills the beans, no yeah. one— I mean, she must have a really great NDA, but also you do get the sense that people are proud to be a part of it and, like— want to protect it and want to make the experience as rewarding as possible when it happens. Because some of, I mean, I mean the, creativity, the creativity in this performance is astonishing, but there is something about not knowing that it's going to happen and then this, this amazing performance is handed to you, like, completed. Yeah, it's you know? amazing. Like, and you don't know to expect it, and it's just, except you know to expect Beyonce being great. Um, but I've just been thinking a lot about... Something I really admire about her is that she really, she obviously works really hard and there is so much care in it. But with Beyonce, you just get the best possible product finished and presented to you. She's just kind of like, here you go. This is what, this is, this is greatness. Here it is. That's a funny note because so often with culture and something that you and I both really like is the process and like knowing what happens behind the scenes and like, how do we get from point A to point B? But it's sort of like her finished product product is so um, powerful and overwhelming that I think like for even cynical people like us, obviates a desire for that information. You're just like good with what she gives you. Yeah. Especially with artists. I, I actually hate the artistic process. I don't—I I, I feel like people spend so much time on that that sometimes they get rid of—they think talking about the process obviates the need to do something great at the end. Yeah. And Beyonce does great things. And I just, on every level, admire and— I do too. I'm invigorated by it. I totally agree. Yeah. I definitely was very negative of Beyonce for a long time and like really was not on Team Beyonce. And I wouldn't say I'm like a super fan. Like I like for what for it's sort of like her polish is actually not like what I relate to mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, you know, I'm just like really cheesy in the in the music that I love. Like I, you know, ask you or Chris, like, you walk into my office, I'm watching a Pink video or I'm watching, like, like a song from a musical that's, like, really emotional or whatever. And I, like, really connect to that. But I think that I am, like, so much less of a Beyonce hater because they have always been orchestrating their lives, but it used to be for sort of, like, more shallow ends. Yeah. But Beyonce and Jay-Z together have decided to, like, just go to the next level in ways that are important to them, and they both choose to, like, align themselves with causes when they choose to speak now. It's, like, for very specific, like, political and cultural reasons. And I I respect it. I think the hardest thing to do with celebrity is change in the public eye. And so the ones who were able to do it in mature and graceful and... Um, human ways. I just like completely admire. I feel that way about Rihanna. I feel that way about Beyonce. Yeah. Like, you know, both of those women started so young and they were thrust into a very um, robust and cemented system of pop music that like doesn't necessarily like, value you for your ideas or like even your songwriting prowess. Like the, the women who get to be known as songwriters are sort of like less, I think, often like often less sexual and like often less like, um, like, just sort of, like, less powerful. You get to be one thing. 
Yeah. You get to be a singer-songwriter yeah. and you get to be someone who dances yes. or you get to be you're you get to be a very specific type of person and you're very rarely allowed to change. Yeah. Which is true in pop music and in a lot of other spaces. To Ab- be, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it's been pretty cool really with both of them, but in particular Beyonce watching her like sort of shed the roles that were assigned to her and sort of like even even if she created a lot of her initial mm-hmm. narratives, like she's been able to change them and position herself differently. And I think it's really hard to do and just really cool. And like, that's like also inspirational. Yeah. You mentioned Jay-Z. Yes. We should note that Jay came out for it. <laughs> she did a nice thing. She had Jay out. She had Destiny's Child, Child back. Yeah. I mean, you have two hours. Yeah. Um, Jay looked tired. Yes, he did. He's, <laughs> I, I feel like he's just really on a journey and I support it. He is. And I wish them well. I hope their twins are doing great. I also can't believe it's been two years. I saw Beyonce at the Rose Bowl, I guess, two years ago. Yeah. And I can't believe it's been that long. I'm just I'm glad she's back. Me too. I I, re- I really am. She's um she's really impressive. It's also such a funny uh her polish and like her power mm-hmm. is such a funny um opposite or inverse of the Cardi B experience right now, which is which is also cool to be experiencing them at the same time and I just feel like they do, there's no need to compare them or sort of mm-hmm. like place them in the same spectrum because they are not. But it's just sort of funny that those are the two those are like the two women dom two people dominating music right now like them and Drake probably. Like yes. literally like in this moment yeah. like of the last month and they're just so different and it's cool that there's space for both of them. I agree. I'm looking forward to next weekend. Let me, me tell too. you, if she does this again, exactly this, same thing, minute for minute, we will all be lucky to watch it for a second time. So just keep that in mind. Let's move on. Okay. To our final topic of the day. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Falchuk, who was one of the creators of Glee, which is how they met, are engaged. And they had a huge 400-person black tie engagement party at one of the old theaters in downtown Los Angeles, mm-hmm. thrown for them by Brad Falchuk's partner mm-hmm. and their friend, Ryan mm-hmm. Murphy. Mm-hmm. And it was rumored that it could potentially be a wedding. Yes. However, Page Six confirmed today, and I also have my own sources that confirmed that it was just an engagement party. And um, man, did Gwyneth Paltrow look great. She did. I also learned, I learned a lot from the photography related yeah. to this event. I do, I do think so. We should just explain briefly why people thought it was going to be a wedding because mm-hmm. it was pretty funny. the The reason is because not Valentino himself, but Giancarlo Giametti, who is kind of like the number two at the business partner of Valentino, posted on Instagram on Friday like a picture of them. It was like, congratulations on your engagement tomorrow. It's going to be such a special day. I'm like so excited for you. But in a way that definitely made it seem like this older Italian gentleman thought that it was their wedding tomorrow <laughs> and was just kind of like congratulating them in public and didn't really understand how Instagram worked. And it just so it set the rumors going that it was actually going to be a wedding. It's a real rom-com moment. Yeah, it was very charming. Yeah, it's funny. And then and then also Gwyneth Paltrow's mother was photographed leaving the venue with a Monique Lullier yes. bridal garment bag. Yes. Which I wonder now, was that just supposed to, was that Gwyneth playing, was that Gwyneth trolling a bit? I don't know. Or that's just like a, was that like a garment bag like straight from Monique Lullier and she was like, here's what I have. Like it, it, it sort of like, could just yeah. be like a casual. I, yeah. I don't even know. I will say, I feel the lines between bridal and just sort of like black tie have really been blurred. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And also, uh, like, even not even at that high of a level, like I was looking for, I was looking for just, I have a few weddings this summer. I was like looking for mm-hmm. some dresses to wear to these weddings. I was looking for something long and potentially floral. And 
Anthropology and another website like had all these dresses that were like typical, like, like um, technically from their bridal lines that were just like looked like a regular anthropology dress. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I don't know. I feel like the, just because the bridal industry has gotten so big, the lines are less demarcated than they used to be. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like I'm okay with that. Yeah, I am too. Totally. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow wore a gorgeous Giambattista Valley. Did it great. Thank you. Good job. Um, kind of like a cranberry colored uh, couture dress that mm-hmm. she looked amazing in. Uh, she just looked beautiful in general. And it seemed like a really fun party. She had the, the kind of like the top billed guests are um, Kate Hudson, who I didn't know, but apparently is like best friend of Liv Tyler. They arrived hand in hand. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so there was her. There was Jennifer Aniston, who was wearing a wrist brace, which made me wonder if she has carpal tunnel, but I can't imagine she types that much, so I don't know. Probably a yoga injury. Oh, great great point. Yeah. Um, there was Julia Roberts wearing phenomenal formal uh, uh, plastic glasses. My favorite look for women over 45. They were great. They great. made me start Googling glasses again. She also was wearing a, like, high-end pantsuit. Or not a pantsuit, like a jumpsuit. Yeah. Which I, I was yeah. really into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon was there, which is notable because there was a competing event in Los Angeles that night, which was, like, a women's dinner hosted by Laura Dern. It was like, Oh, at the Sunset Tower. Yeah. Yeah. When Nicole Kidman was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in-style. Like a, a lot. Yeah, it was an in-style. It was right. a lot of, like— Women in Hollywood. It right. seemed like a good a good time, but I just thought I was like, oh, interesting. You all are not at the Gwyneth party. Yes. Also, apparently, I didn't know this, but did you know that Cameron Diaz and Gwyneth Paltrow are like best friends, or like super close? I think so because of a story involving someone pinning someone down to deal with bikini line issues, and I can't remember whether it was Gwyneth pinning Cameron down or Cameron. Pe- Pinning Gwyneth down. But there was a moment, I think, right after Gwyneth and Chris Martin separated, where they were kind of gal gal palling out. I see. Cameron Diaz seems fun. They both do. But but that's a fun blonde duo to hang out with. Yeah, they just kind of also seem like they have both been in Hollywood for so long. Yeah. In a very specific zone of Hollywood. Yeah. So they probably just have a lot in common. Um, Additionally? Yes. Kate Hudson sang at this event. No. Yes, she did. What did she sing? I don't know, but she serenaded them. That's information from Page Six. I'm, oh, God. <laughs> page Six is really back on it. I feel like Page Six was motivated by the Daily Mail and the TMZ to, like, get back in, like, mm-hmm. the hot gossip yeah. space. They're yeah. giving me a lot of what I want. Yeah. I like it. I really I really do. That's my party report for you. It okay. like it was a really fun time. I just love a fancy party. I'm available to attend all fancy parties. Like, black tie optional and fancier. Please call me. I'm really looking for more past hors d'oeuvres in my life. Oh, well, as you know, I have a passion for that as well. I I mean, the best past hors d'oeuvres I've had in some time <laughs> were your holiday party. My Lord. Juliet in a Costco card. Magic happens, Seriously. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but basically it doesn't need to be black tie for me. If, it, if the appetizer is heated and if there are several different options and they're on individual trays, I'm good to go. Apps and desserts are better than main course. Like, just— it's very true. It's just so, so fun. Yeah. I love I love a past hors d'oeuvre as well. There really, is there anything better than a pig in a blanket? No. There's just not. At me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of a single thing better. Those mozzarella sticks are pretty good, Those too. Those are good, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's all great. <laughs> I bet they didn't have past hors d'oeuvres. They probably didn't have pigs in a blanket. They probably did have past hors d'oeuvres. So there's that. 
Okay. Then I would have loved to go to this party, even though I don't really love black tie optional, but that's okay. It just seemed like a good time. I don't know. I'm, I'm happy for Gwyneth Paltrow. Me seems, too. It seems nice. Should we switch to a former, very quickly, former fiance of Gwyneth Paltrow's? Yes. Oh my God. This is a great final note to go out on. The rumor right now is that Brad Pitt is dating someone. He's completely smitten. And she is an MIT professor, people. It's... This is too good to be true. So I think the reality is, is that they have like maybe had dinner once. I don't really know that they're dating, but it's the first woman that Brad Pitt has even kind of been in the vicinity of. So people are losing their minds publicly. Her name is Neri Oxman. She's a professor at MIT, and she is also, crucially, an architect, which means that she and Brad Pitt like started talking about fancy tables— and all the weird design bullshit that Brad Pitt is interested in, because we know he is, because he doesn't let his wives have nice couches. <laughs> and now just everyone's losing their mind because they were in one Instagram together. Amanda. Yes. An Us Weekly source said Brad, yes. Brad is absolutely smitten by her. Their chemistry is off the charts. Who I- tells Us <laughs> Weekly that? Who even knows that? Like, I don't. I think Brad Pitt's like out of the Us Weekly game, so I'm a little confused about that one. I completely agree. I think this is kind of made up. I think that they just met once. And probably, they probably, definitely Natalie Portman and Joshua's Jonathan Safran Foer email relationship right now. Like, that's yeah, happening for death. sure. There are some emails oh my God. I feel, about, I feel uncomfortable thinking about it and couches <laughs> for sure. Uh, she's quite attractive. So on my favorite show, The Affair, yes. last season, yes, Dominic West has an has an affair with this professor. Yes, and it's like for some reason it just like reminds me of that storyline. I think they mm-hmm. kind of like look similar, and so I just feel like maybe Brad Pitt's watching The Affair. <laughs> that's that's probably what's happening. Known sculpture and uncomfortable couch enthusiast Brad Pitt is also watching The Affair. Come on, Brad Pitt definitely is like oh alternate points of view. Brilliant. <laughs> There's no way he's not like, oh, that's a really good idea. That's true. Anyway, I don't really think they're dating, but this is hilarious. It's it's absolutely hilarious. Well, that this has been Jam Session for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back in two weeks. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> 